Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast and for this episode we have a very special guest with us Gaurav Garg who is the senior HR director at nobroker.com Hi Gaurav thank you for joining us Hi Achit thank you for having me on this show It's a pleasure so to begin with could you please take us through your career journey so far Yeah so so I hail from uh, the city of Indore and um, after completing my schooling there I went to basically NIT Surat to pursue my engineering after that i worked with a company called mdox for 2 years in pune so that was more into uh, uh, it domain for telecom uh, companies etc after that i decided to pursue my mba so i pursued uh, my mba in hr from xlri jamshedpur post that i joined a company called as capgemini consulting so we uh, capgemini is a is a big brand known for their it and bpo services but they had a very small team of consulting as well and the geography focus was for us was uh, india and middle east asia we used to take uh, process consulting projects for clients uh, there i got opportunity to work on many hr as well as non hr related projects which uh, helped me understand uh, the business uh, from outside in uh, kind of perspective and it was like really amazing uh, every 3 4 months we used to work on a on a different project and then every problem statement was different you kind of in consulting work with various stakeholders and that gives you a good learning post that i joined uh, atl uh, in their mpcg circle i was leading uh, their talent management for mpcg circle approximately 700 odd people after that i worked with a company called capital via which is based out of uh, indore itself this company is into financial services so i worked there for around 5 and 1/2 years major so i started with hr but there uh, i got a opportunity to work on other domains as well so i led a financial research team legal compliance uh, admin quality assurance etc so uh, it gave me a good exposure of all the other operate operations uh, functions as well and i was not limited to hr there so gave me a good perspective of how other department also functions and what are the integrities etc and for last one year i am working with no broker i joined uh, last year only and it has been a tremendous uh, journey so far with no broker the company is like really amazing a lot of good people to work with a lot of good people to talk about a lot of stuff very energetic very uh, friendly uh, the overall culture out here is like amazing you are the owner of your own business so it's like uh, you are basically running a business without uh, getting involved in the risk of the businesses so that is in a nutshell about my journey really an amazing journey i must say uh, with plethora of experience across different fields as you mentioned so you've been working for uh, more than a decade now so you must have seen the workspace being changed i mean what it used to be back then what it is today so as the workspaces continue to mutate the skills required by the people or the workers also bound to change how do you think the industry can adapt to this transformation in a better way so that you know there is less risk less loss i mean risk is definitely there you can't just you can mitigate it but you can't eliminate it completely so what are your views on this transformation yeah so i think uh, over a period of time what has happened is that uh, technical skills have become less 
important as compared to your behavioral traits which is more of uh, communication your confidence your ability to basically the kind of innovation that you can bring in the kind of uh, problem solving approach that you can bring to the table so obviously pedigree is important but it's not only limited to pedigree and the technical skills that you have learned it's more of your approach or uh, the behavior or the attitude that you kind of portray or possess i mean that has become important that is what uh, i have seen so i have seen many people who are uh, are working at a very senior positions but if you look at uh, their background probably they, they would have started at a very very junior frontline level so it's not like that that you are coming from a very good college you get a very good uh, position early on and then you build on it there are a lot of people who have started from scratch and are at a very good position so that is what is happening so i think uh, with respect to industry i think with a uh, lot of startups coming in this adoption has already taken place wherein startups are now willing to basically take that particular risk of uh, trying out new things so earlier if you uh, say i mean if you see established companies used to hire from a particular set of colleges for a particular set of roles but startups are willing to take that risk of basically trying out new things if uh, those those basic uh, things are there in place right second is that now a lot of people are also trying out a lot of different things right and they are taking break from their jobs etc which probably was not heard of uh, 10 15 years back right but then the companies have also started appreciating the fact that the person is actually trying trying out new things and taking risk to basically explore certain areas in fact companies are appreciating the fact that the person has tried and probably the failure in that particular venture would have taught the person much more than what a 4 or 5 years of job experience would have uh, taught the person so that is also something which has uh, now really opened up people are more i mean uh, hr fraternity is is also more open to basically explore those kind of candidates as well so i think uh, that is one and i think the the major recent i mean if you talk about last 6 8 months 10 months as as we all know i mean ai has come in like in a big way there is a whole lot of talk about chat gpt and other platforms which are now changing the way we work right so i think this how is this going to shape up the industry over next 2 3 years is going to be uh, seen but yes i mean the companies will have to make sure that we use this particular opportunity because what i personally feel is that 5 6 years back or 10 years back we used to say that okay if you are not computer uh, literate i mean if you are not tech savvy probably you will not be able to uh, sustain with the current uh, set of people or the current growth that is going to come through technology right so i think next 5 10 years are going to be the game changing uh, years with respect to ai and similar thing is going to be true if you are not basically well versed with how to use ai probably will become obsolete and uh, somebody will replace you so i think companies will have to also take into consideration this particular aspect uh, going forward but yes exactly what is that uh will change will have will have to see and uh, i mean observe for next 2 3 years because it is very very recent phenomena which has come in but yeah that is what my thoughts are yeah i truly truly agree with what you said i mean technical skills are important but at the same time soft skills are also given due due consideration today Uh, organizations have become more flexible in terms of how they hire people what kind like they need a diversity of people gone other times when they just used to look out for those conventional big colleges or you know technical skills were just the sole criteria and yes again and i think uh, on that aspect uh, evaluation also plays an important role right i mean uh, technical skills etc are slightly easier to judge i mean sure. through interviews through basically some evaluation tests etc but these soft skills this behavioral parameters is uh, i mean the, the kind of attitude the candidate possesses i mean those things are really tough you cannot basically evaluate uh, to a very very high degree of certainty 
through one or two tools. So from that perspective as well, uh, we need to change a lot uh, with respect to how do we evaluate those things in a short period of time because time is limited. You cannot invest more than say an hour or so with one candidate. But in that limited time, you'll have to assess each and everything uh, which you can basically assess. So from that perspective as well, things are going to like really change. Very true. So and you also mentioned about AI coming into the picture. So my next question is, what are your thoughts on digital HR? I mean, how do you think AI and this technology, which is upcoming, is going to impact HR as an industry? Yes, personally, what I feel is that a successful HR person has to be a really, really shrewd business person as well. I mean, if you as an HR person is not able to understand business, probably you will not be a, you will not be able to uh, make it big, right? So first is you understand business and then you also try and make your own function as also a business function. So not assuming that HR is a support function and function or an enabling function. I think if you want to make HR as a core function, then you will have to basically run it like a business function. And hence data will play an important role. And uh, I mean, with respect to uh, managing the data or taking insights, I think uh, unless and until you are, you are basically enabling it with technology, I think it will not uh, be possible. So I think in most of the cases now, uh, I see that, I mean, earlier, 15, 20 years back, a lot of startups also used to work on uh, Excel sheets, etc. for a lot of HR processes. But I think now, if you see the trend has completely changed, right from the uh, time when the company is grow- growing to say 15, 20, 25 employees, the companies are willing to basically enable uh, small, small HR functions with technology. And I think this is uh, helping a lot. In fact, when I joined No Broker, No Broker was what, seven, seven, uh, eight years old company, but almost all the HR processes were basically there on uh, Darwin HRMS, which we are using. So it helped me a lot. I mean, if you want to basically analyze anything, you just get everything on a click of a button. So this helps a lot, right? So yeah, I think uh, digital HR is very, very important if you want to basically make fast decision making, if you want to also run it like a business function, if you want to see uh, what has worked for you and what has not worked for you. And if you want to make that decision making, which is based on data rather than only on notions, I think it is very important that we identify areas wherein we can use uh, technology and then uh, digitize to the extent possible. Although, I mean, while saying this, I should not uh, basically say that HR is also a function which is people oriented, which is uh, which involves a lot of uh, discussions with uh, employees. HR has to also uh, see the emotional angle of uh, of of the conversation happening, which probably technology might not be able to see. So technology will obviously give you only hard data. But as a HR professional, you have to balance both, right? I mean, you cannot just go by what data is saying. You also also read between the lines. You have to also understand the pulse of the people, which probably can happen only when you are uh, also close to people. So I think it is mixed of both. People interactions are also important. High touch environment is also important wherein people feel that you are accessible. People are able to approach you. But at the same time, all the functions which can be automated which can be moved to technology platform should be moved yeah definitely and actually my next question was uh, is revolving around the same thing you also said that there's another aspect to HR which is the people side of it and as we know that workers in the organization I mean workforce happens to be the most important resource in any organization so research says that 95 percent of the customers are more likely to be loyal to the brands they trust and the same applies for employees in many organizations. How can company build and encourage a culture of trust and accountability in an organization? Yeah, I think it is very important. And uh, 
I mean, these softer aspects like culture, I mean, they cannot be built overnight, right? I mean, it is those, those small, small instances or small, small actions that you take over a long period of time. Those actually club together translates into what your culture is, right? So any small behavior which you want to inculcate as a broader culture, I think you'll have to continuously keep on rewarding it. And anything that you want to put a deterrent to, anything that you do not want as part of culture is something which you have to put a penalty on. Right. So I think this is something which is very important. I think it's very, it sounds very simple, but it's not that simple. I mean, over a period of time. So say, for example, uh, we're talking about how is that we can build a culture of trust and accountability, right? So for trust and accountability, you'll have to make sure that your team, your team members who are reporting to you are trying out different things. And if they are failing as well, I mean, they don't have any fear. So they don't, they should not have any fear that, okay, if I fail, probably I'll get some blasting from my manager or my efforts will not be encouraged. So there you'll have to be very, very careful. So any failure that comes with a lot of experimentation, etc., you'll have to some other way enable your team members to basically try out and then not shy away from those failures. And that is how it it, it goes on, right? So I'll give you an example of what happens at Moobroker. So here, like uh, the, in, in the entire leadership team, Amit, uh, who heads our business with the CEO, I mean, he says uh, this particular line to every new leader who joins that uh, you are going to be the owner of your business and I am going to basically be an investor in your business. So what I'll give you is I'll give you some money to basically run your business, but I'll not interfere in what you are doing. So you basically decide what you want to do. How is that you want to take your function? How is that? What is your aspiration? How is that you want to traverse that particular path? He basically completely, he completely leaves it to the person who is heading the heading that particular business. After the overall direction is decided, overall vision is decided, there is zero micromanagement, which is there. So it is these small, small things, uh, which basically builds the culture. And similarly, I mean, so as Amit gives the responsibility, accountability to us, we also try and give this to our team. And then we also encourage the team to basically give it to their uh, team members as well. So as I said, culture is something which takes a lot of time to build. It is, I mean, in summary, if I have to say, I think uh, reward all those behaviors, all those instances, all those actions of your people which aids to your culture or the culture that you want to build. And uh, on the other side, I mean, you'll have to basically demotivate people to follow something which you do not want your culture to be. So if you do not want a culture wherein people basically, so if you do not want to build hyper-competitive culture, probably you'll have to identify those instances wherein there is cutthroat competition and you have to kind of uh, de-incentivize uh, those behaviors. If you want to say build a culture wherein individual performance is important as compared to a team performance, you have to then reward those individual achievements, etc. If you want to build a culture where team performance is more important as compared to individual performance, you have to basically then talk about team performance and then leave aside individual performance, uh, etc. So first of all, you have to decide as to what culture you want to build. And obviously, I mean, it is contextual. It cannot be a, it cannot be a uh, one size fit all approach. Culture is very, very contextual to the kind of industry that you are in, the kind of company that you are in, the kind of maturity that you are in, the kind of growth stage that you are in, and it evolves. But yes, once you decide as to what you want to build, then I think the only thing is that it should flow from top and you should basically incentivize and de incentivize all those small, small actions. Very, very accurately mentioned. I must say, brilliantly answered. You have covered all the uh, touch points, which is amazing. So another important aspect of culture that we talk about today in a lot of ways is diversity and inclusion. 
and for it a lot of for a lot of organization it's still an initiative that they probably uh, run to gain some sort of clout or something and not really a part of the routine activity so what do you think about the situation and how do you think that we can adopt dni in more effective manner yeah so i think my view is that dni i mean cannot be implemented by force right i mean it has to come by choice yeah. and then every organization basically wants to do something for uh, overall inclusion right so i my perspective is that if we knowingly or unknowingly definitely i mean companies are focusing on it so like uh, we are focusing on gender diversity we are focusing on cultural regional diversity in fact we are also opening up we have given hybrid uh, work option to people and then now we are present in six large cities of india but our employees are present almost in every state i mean they are able to work from uh, home etc and hence we are able to kind of have a diversity but i think this is a this is the process which every company has to traverse right i mean and then it also depends on the kind of the kind of uh, uh, stage that the company is in so for a for a very small company probably it may not be a priority and they may not basically understand or uh, relate to the relate to the larger cause of of, uh, of dni but yes as the company grows definitely i mean this comes in and then ultimately it also links to the business objectives as well as you have more diversity your risk starts getting mitigated and you have you have better business outcomes so what i would say is that obviously i mean for a for a very early stage company probably this may not sound to be a very good idea but then yes as the company grows as the company matures definitely this comes in and then uh, knowingly and knowingly companies also realize that okay i mean bringing in more diversity having more inclusive approach helps the overall business and all the stakeholders also slowly get aligned to it so it i mean it can only be successful if it is not only a hr scare it has to be a inclusive approach there as well i mean it has to be a metric for all the leaders uh, then only it can be successful yeah very accurately mentioned and with this we come to the end of this podcast thank you god for some brilliant answers i hope our listeners would also agree with me and resonate with what whatever you said throughout the um, conversation so thank you for giving us your time thanks akshit